Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hello, how are you doing? Uh, you're joining me as I walk home from a children's party. I am walking home without my children. I left them there. Um, I'm going home to uh, get my bits and bobs together because Richard and I are off out DJing tonight. And yeah, this week has actually been all right. It's been busy. Lots of bits and bobs going on. But I'm feeling, feeling pretty steady I have had quite a lot of stuff come in the diary for some exciting trips and it was making me feel a bit conflicted. So on the one hand, I was like, how nice to have all these lovely places to sing. And on the other hand, like, uh, will my children still recognise me at the end of it? So I made the decision to actually just bring them with me and for different bits and bobs. Obviously, they're all at school, so I have to be a bit clever about it. Um, but yeah... It's made me feel so much better. I think sometimes when you're doing things, it's very easy to sort of compartmentalise to the, fact, the point where you've actually forgotten that if you kind of involve people in different elements of what you're up to, you can actually achieve quite a lot and feel a bit better. And actually, it's more fun as well. So I've got a trip in a couple of weeks where I'm going to Australia. It's a really short trip, but it's a long way to go. So, you know, you're spending, I don't know, two or three days just in transit when you had it all together I thought right I'm going to bring my eight year old Jessie will love that so that's turned that into a fun trip too oh golly Rich is going to hate me recording this where it's windy why has it suddenly got windy it was fine it's a funny old day actually it looks a little bit like it's about to pour with rain I think that's quite a high percentage chance actually 
Anyway, so how are we doing with the podcast? Well, we have a couple more left in store for this series. And then I'm going to do my very, very, very best. I've got a horrible feeling I might be a little bit late with the next one. So in an ideal world, I will start the next series of which number I'm actually not even entirely sure which number it is. Is it series 12 or 13? One of them. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm on tour in March in Europe. So that's when I'm hoping to start publishing them. But you might have to bear with me because I don't know if I've got enough time to record enough to give me space to get them all done and then, you know, make it all smooth and the attempt to at professionalism. But I think worst case scenario is I start in April, so not too far. And I've already got some lovely, lovely people. I've started recording it, so I'm feeling good. Anyway, I digress. Today's guest is a lady called Michelle Kennedy. Michelle's got two young children, a son and a daughter. And her company actually approached me about speaking to her. And I was immediately intrigued. Firstly, she sounded like a interesting woman. Secondly, her business. Now, those that know me know I'm always excited to talk to businesswomen. I just find people that end up being CEOs and driving a force behind a company quite exciting because they've basically seen something, an opportunity, and then built it all up. And they've often had to put so many hours in, there's so much risk, really push themselves. So I tend to speak to them when they're sitting in the bit where, you know, they've had the highs and lows and the twists and the tur- you know turns in the journey but they're at the bit where it's all working and life is good and the business is functioning but I like hearing about how how it's been to get to that point you know the graft the sacrifice that kind of stuff so Michelle's company is called Peanut now Peanut is an online community millions and millions of women use it uh, it, it is intended for women it's a women's space for discussing sort of big milestones in your life so there's lots about fertility there's lots about new parenthood there's lots of space there for menopause different parts of your life different chapters and each place you could go to find out more and discuss and get access to experts and all that just sort of ring fenced so for example if you're going through fertility questions you will not accidentally stumble into a group of new parents because obviously that could be quite upsetting. So it's thoughtfully done. It's got loads of information on there. And yeah, just sounds like a really solid, sensible space to go and get some good information, wisdom, advice. And it's clearly working. There was a need for it. So Michelle's company's Peanuts. That's what we spoke about today. And you will hear... That the name Peanut came from the time when she was pregnant with her first baby and that was how it was referred to so I like the idea of like you know something that starts off all small and then it's grown into something big anyway uh this is obviously really really windy uh sorry Richard for the noise and uh yeah I'll see you on the other side when I should be pretty much at my door so hopefully away from all the windiness. All right, speak to you in a bit. Bye.
Well, firstly, it's really lovely to meet you and thanks for having me over. Um, why don't we start by talking about peanuts? I know all about it, but I'd love to hear from you. You describe what peanut is to people who might not be aware of it yet. Yeah, so peanut is a social network which connects women across different life stages. So if you're going through fertility, um, if you're having IVF or you're considering surrogacy or adoption, you have a special part of the app that's just for you. If you're going through pregnancy um, and you're kind of in that roller coaster, different part for you. And then if you're going through any stage of motherhood, so that might be the newborn stage, toddlers, beyond, um, and more recently, women who are going through perimenopause and menopause. So the way the product works is it's all walled gardens. So if you're in one life stage, you won't see um, content related to the other life stage. We know that that can be triggering, but ultimately it's really about women finding each other. So you find other women who are going through the same thing as you and you can make friendships, you can join groups, ask questions. Is it normal is the most asked question on mm. Peanut and the answer is always yes, by the way. Um, <laughs> and, and so uh, women can find those connections um, and find their village. Which, in a way, I'm quite surprised you and I haven't crossed paths before because it feels like for both of us... Um, becoming mothers ourselves introduced us to the complete importance of connection and community and conversation being a really good way to help you f navigate all that comes with it. Yeah. <laughs> so how intrinsic to Peanut is the fact that you yourself had your baby, Finn? Yeah, it was, it was such a funny thing because we were just talking about it, but so much of who I was as a person and my identity was tied to who I was at work. Um, and my career and um, my drive was everything. Like, that was the focus. Um, and so I was very focused on delivering as a result. And I can't explain it any better than that. It was just I was very goals-oriented mm -hmm. because you're kind of always thinking about, okay, deliver that and that's the next and deliver that and that's the next. And so I almost assumed that motherhood might be the same. And that sounds absolutely ridiculous when I say it now I don't but I think it does sound that ridiculous actually you mean in terms of like there being goals and things exactly. you have to achieve that there were to me I just felt like okay I've got the stuff I've read a book in a bit I, I kind of know how this is going to go I understand you know they're gonna feed and then they're gonna crawl and I felt like it was very much about deliverables and what I had not factored into any of that is how I would feel yeah or that Finn would be his own little person. So I had no, there was no allowance in my mind for that. Um, and so when he came along, it was really this moment of like, oh, right, so who am I now? Because I was very comfortable with Michelle at work, but Michelle, the mom, was struggling. I didn't really know what I was doing. Everyone around me looked like they knew exactly what they were doing, which was freaking me out. But my girlfriends weren't having babies either. So... It was really that compounding feeling of feeling very isolated. Um, that felt embarrassing. You shouldn't feel like that. Also, you're the luckiest woman in the world. You've got this amazing baby. And he was beautiful. And I was terrified of him. And um, everything felt like, every day felt like an exam. Mm. I was sweating. Like, why, why is he crying? I used to freak out if we went to Starbucks and he was crying. You know, things now that I, I wouldn't even flinch. But at that time, it just really felt... I wasn't meeting my goals, being goals-oriented. Very weird place. I completely understand that, though. And I actually think that there's a lot about not so much motherhood 
now, but I think, because Finn is, you know, he's nine, so yeah. we're going back sort of a decade ago to like yeah. what parenting looked like then. And I had my first baby now nearly 20 years ago. It sounds so long, <laughs> so long. Wow. Um, but I think there was more of a, it was more sort of hidden in books. Yeah. It was conversations you weren't having with just everybody. Right. Um, and I, I, I totally understand that feeling of like, right, so I'm going to have this baby. And then the, the goal is to achieve them sleeping at this point, feeding on these hours. This is probably what it's supposed to look like. And then everything that fell outside of that felt like complete failure. failure. And, and, and that was from the type of birth you had. Mm. I had to have a C-section in the end. And I was very, very clear I'm going to have a vaginal birth because that's how it's done. And that's what I'm going to do. Um, uh, to feeding. And I really had been told at the time, this is absolutely the truth, that when you have the baby, you do the skin to skin and the baby will crawl up to your boob. It's a newborn baby. Of course the baby won't crawl up to you, but what? what? <laughs> so it but, sounds quite quite, quite scary moment. But, but at the time I was like, <laughs> sure, okay. And there I was looking at this tiny baby on my skin waiting for him to crawl to the boob. Didn't happen, unsurprisingly. And feeding was really hard. And that again felt like moments of failure. So there were all these kind of little booby traps that I'd set for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'd meet some, I, I had one one friend um, whose child was older than Finn, who said to me, no one stands around in the playground, by the way, talking about whether they were breastfed or formula fed. Yeah. And that moment of, oh, yeah, good point, because I was having a sob, was, you know, a moment of relief. But no one had really said that to me at all. And you're right, it was a different time, and we speak about things much more freely now, but no one had ever said that to me. No, and also I think you have this feeling that you've had a baby, which is a sort of, it's not even like it's just a small version of an individual. It's like it's a sort of um, creature you're presented with that has this different, like it's it's an equation you've got to solve. (laughs) And if I enter the information into this baby at the right times in terms of feeding, sleep, temperature, all this stuff, it's going to equal a certain result. But you wouldn't expect that of anybody you meet as an adult. You are aware of all the nuances that adulthood and individualism presents. But when you have a baby, for some reason, your brain is stuck in this fog of like, okay, it's not... It's not a person, it's a sort of thing I've got to work out, like a little riddle. That's it, and this will happen like this. Yeah. And when it doesn't, you're like, what does it mean? And even when I had my daughter, um, she's totally different to my son in every way. Mm. And um, she, very, very difficult to get her to feed. She was tiny when she was born. Um, and it's it's been a constant battle actually to get her to eat even today but that felt like it's all consuming right when you yeah. have a, anyone who has a child who doesn't eat is completely like obsesses your brain and um again moments of failure even though i knew i changed some of the narrative in my own mind um it's still sat there with me yeah and i think you've had one baby so you think oh, i should know what i'm doing by now and my second as well was born early and wouldn't really eat and you you suddenly realize why um our parents and people who care about us all constantly love it you know when you eat something but I think when you that's see your right. child eat it's like it releases something in your brain of like it's oh, a relief they're eating so true <laughs> you're like great okay or you find one thing that they're willing to eat mm. and then that's it I mean over index on that all day that's what I did anyway so it was a different world and um I definitely felt a lot of 
um, pressure that was somewhat my own pressure to really um, be this mummy that I thought people wanted me to be or I should be or it looked like on Instagram or whatever it was. And um, I felt very guilty at not feeling exactly how I thought I would. Mm. I went back to work when Finn was four, four months and my mum came to help us with Finn. And probably only a couple of months after that did I start to even understand what I wanted to feel like and how I wanted to be and how I thought this would be. Yeah. And Finn and I got into our own little groove and things became much easier and much better. But that was, um, and I'm not by no means suggesting that that was a good thing to go back so early. Um, it was part necessity and it was part... Um, I didn't know what to do with myself. I, I can't explain it better than that either. Like, yeah, I, there's I, no judgment I, about any of it. I meet people I felt, that work I, straight away. And yeah. People I, take years and, yeah. I, I felt um, a bit floating and I needed to get back to who I was and understand yeah. that a bit more um, and, and then from there start to develop. And, you know, amazing things happened subsequently and... I was back in my day job and there were terrible things that happened and I you know, was acting like I didn't have a kid at work and yeah. you know, didn't sleep at night because I'd be watching him all night. You know, it's crazy stuff. Um, and then we started building um, a new dating app within the business I was working in. That was exciting and it was glamorous and it was really energising. And Finn just became very portable. I just used to take him everywhere. We were going away on a work trip. Finn was coming. Like, he just became part of life and that was amazing but actually I still had no friends who had babies I still was not you know they still weren't at that point um and the older he got the more it felt like I just need to check in with someone else like how do they know what they're doing or um and it was at that moment he was about two and a half and I was like I just am going to build something that I want to use for a generation of women who have been told they can have it all but actually we're all just pretending and we don't know and we don't talk about things and I need to talk about it um, and I love my mum but I need to talk about it not with my mum who had a very different experience of motherhood, you know, in a different time and she's a strong Irish woman with very strong views on a lot of things and I just wanted to do it in a different way and so that was Peanut. Well, that's, I mean, I wish it had been around when I had my first baby, but what a brilliant thing. And you're right about that thing about about being modern women, where they're at now and the conversations that are happening now. And it's interesting you talk about having it all because I suppose we've got kind of like quite an old-fashioned version of what that is, but probably at its root is about finding satisfaction and contentment within whatever that looks like for you. That's yeah. probably what having it all is really about. It's exactly right. It, it's actually about, like happiness ultimately yeah. and somewhere along the line we forgot that because yeah. we were told that having it all actually was about have the career have the perfect fam make those handmade invitations for your kids party like that was having it all it was run run the house perfect fam perfect job what and look great yeah and work out and you know do look fabulous all those it was bonkers and actually really what it really means is find peace and be yes. happy and being being okay with yourself exactly you know appreciating all Ex the things you are doing and exactly how hard you're working on it all 
Um, and I suppose whilst the way we can, you know, find community has changed and I think by and large massively improved, some of the emotions that new mums are experiencing goes back to what you and I both are talking about. So Peanut's just done a survey about, I suppose, what it means to become a mother and how it changes your, the way you feel about yourself and about the invisibility that can come with that term. Yeah. And some of the findings, well, I would say none of the findings surprised me, but they still made me feel sad anyway. I think the one that was the most startling to me is that 93% of the women you spoke to said that becoming a mother made them feel minimised to just that one word, mother. That's a pretty big deal, and that's nearly 100% of people feeling like that when they become a parent, which is... Startling, isn't it? It's kind of goosebumps, right? Mm. How many times do you meet another woman and she's actually an incredible woman, but she goes in your phone as, you know, so-and-so's mom, mm. Seb's mom or whatever it might be. And um, I still have brilliant women who are in my life who are in my phone as so-and-so's mom. And it's it that at the time that you do it, you know, you're in that mode and that's just what you're doing. But actually, um, that same brilliant woman is also multifaceted and there's so much more about her and um, it is minimizing that you do just then become this kind of woman who has a little person on their hip and a rucksack on your back and that all of a sudden everything else that you are and you contribute is completely gone and I think that is for me when you know we always knew that there were conversations like this happening on peanut and we can see it but um, there was a lot around that feeling of being invisible and, you know, that might be, as I was saying to you, like, have it all. I think it's 94% of women were saying that they feel this pressure to have it all. But as we just said, what, what do you mean have it all? So there is just this notwithstanding that we're having conversations about womanhood in a very, very different way to we were when I launched Peanut seven years ago. Things have dramatically changed and there's been so much progress. The fact that some of the findings... I kind of saw the the results of the survey and I was like, actually, we haven't changed at all. Yeah. We might be legitimising some of the conversations, but ultimately the feelings that women have haven't really changed because we haven't changed, like, infrastructures and societally. We expect so much of women now, right? We are expected to contribute to the economy in a way we never have been before. It's never been factored in. Our um, fiscal... Um, investment in the economy has never been factored in before, but it is now. Mm. But that's on top of the fact that we're in um, a country where we don't have adequate childcare. So we're yeah. now saying, um, contribute to the economy, but sorry, you need childcare, or oh, well, you have to figure that out. The cost of childcare is astronomical. It's prohibitive for most women mm. and most families. We don't have any structure in place. So we have the expectation. We don't have the societal structure for it. And that's just about motherhood, by the way. That can equally apply to anyone who is going through fertility challenges and their own fertility journey. No support there. No, ex you know, um, structural support around them. But by the way, go and have, you know, multiple rounds of IVF. Oh, sorry, you can't fund it. Sorry about that. You know, mm. it's, it, it's so broken that we expect so much of women and we have no um, infrastructure that has developed at the same pace. Um, it's no wonder that women feel unseen, I think, and mothers feel unseen. I agree. And I was wondering for you, so now how many people use Peanut? What's the community? Three and a half million a month. So that's a huge amount of people, women, using the 
that community. So when you start off and you're just building it and your first thing is about connection, get, as you say, these walled gardens where women can find a safe way to speak very transparently about everything they're going through. But then you start doing things like building information about where we're at, where women are at. And you do things like the survey on invisibility and you think, right, how can I make that better? So I think there's some brilliant things that Peanut are doing about advising a change in conversation starters with women, how you might speak to new mothers, how we would change subtleties in the questions that are being asked just to make it so that you actually draw out the, the answers that matter rather than just a sort of blanket, I'm fine, thanks. Reframing how we approach women and and the conversations that we have with them so that it's not about um, challenge or failure. So much of the language that we've always had around us is cloaked in this language of failure and you don't even almost notice it. Um, And we were talking about it earlier. You just kind of, you feel the knock, someone says something to you, you feel it. You feel a bit resentful, but you move on. It happens again and it happens again. And all that that does is reinforce this message that you're not so important, mum. Or, mum, you know, this is what we expect of you. And that it just reinforces those messages. So by just changing how we speak to mothers and women large, uh, at large will have a huge impact on the response that you get. It's like that really old Harvard Business School review where um, women and men go for investment and men are open, asked open questions. What's your vision? And women are asked closed questions. Um, uh, the, the size of the market is X. Um, how much of that market will you own? Closed question. What's your vision? Open question. Mm. And so women can never really talk about the true potential of their business and men obviously can. So it's that but in a different context around like my life and asking these questions that make me feel small when actually the answer could be so big. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's an unconscious bias that exists and you know you don't know about it until you're living it, but it's there and it's such a small, subtle change. I do it too, by the way, because you're so like ensconced in yeah, it. Yeah, completely. We, we all do all it. All the time. And you catch yourself and you're like, oh. Did I just say that? Yeah, or my brain-making judgments or... Absolutely. um, You know, responding to filling in gaps with the stereotype of what I think people... How I think people live, what I think they've achieved, um, how well I think they're coping with stuff. Absolutely. I definitely do it. Absolutely. And and that actually is a really good one. The, The, oh, well, she looks great. She looks great. Baby looks great. Everything must be fine versus, you know, the woman who inside is absolutely having a meltdown and and can't even talk about it because failure yeah because again she wouldn't have hit the standard that she's meant to have reached so um we are all all guilty of it because we've just been surrounded by nothing else and it's such a small change that will change it millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. But with that... I said, I would imagine that sometimes with something like peanut, you start it because you've just got this passion. Like I feel like this is something that I need. This is about my yeah. transition to, you know, seeing myself as a, a mother, but also wanting to do my work. And how can I make these things come together in something that actually has got a fuel to it? Yeah. But then when you get to the point where you've got so many millions of voices that are part of this community does it make you start seeing like oh hang on a minute there's all these other places I could take this like I am so like <laughs> honestly it's such a weird peanut has been the most beautiful like amazing thing that's ever happened to me and it's been the hardest thing I've ever done and the most amazing thing and it, honestly I feel like it's my life's work like and that sounds corny but I it's the greatest honor of my life to build something that makes women's lives just a tiny bit better. Um, and so what started, honestly, is something where I just thought it would be great to find some friends. I can use the algorithms we use for dating. Um, I won't have to use a Facebook group. We can build something a bit better and more intelligent than that. And I really hadn't thought beyond that. Mm. From a brand perspective, I felt like I do want the brand to be ballsy and I want us to say things that other brands don't say. And I was a bit bored... There was a rhetoric at, at the time of either you were, you know, pristine Pinterest, Instagram vibes mum, or you were slummy, tracksuit, hair scraper. And it was like almost like a caricature. And I didn't feel like any of those. Mm. I just felt like wasn't even sure who I was. <laughs> and so I really wanted the brand to be irreverent and um, talk about women we were all talking about the baby a lot what about the woman and so I was clear on those things but further than that I hadn't really anticipated anything else and I suppose what we saw well of course these amazing beautiful moments where women meet and they find each other and they get that support and that is incredible but we also saw these women who were in very dark moments or their lowest ebbs um 
and but for Peanut, where did they go? And that became everything. Mm. Because as soon as you see that but for us, they were alone or alone, I'm going to get emotional, um, but they, they were having those moments. As soon as you feel that, all you can think about is, well, this isn't a US issue or a UK issue. This is a global yeah, issue. Yeah, it goes beyond, doesn't this it? This is so much more than, and this isn't just women who are new mums or pregnant. This is women who have these seismic life moments and we do not, we kind of just leave them. Shh, don't talk about it. It's embarrassing or, you know, that's one of those things we don't talk about. Leave the mystery, classic my mum um you know things like that 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 actually we we needed more and we deserved more even around like the topic of menopause I know nothing about it or I knew nothing about it until we launched it for peanut and yet it's a biological certainty if you menstruate you are going to go through menopause well, as soon as you know that and that you get no education on it, no Zero. one ever... T- nothing. So I remember it being like a, a cliff I was going to fall off. About 15 years ago, I was like, why does nobody talk about that next bit? Now I feel, obviously, there's loads of conversation right. around it, but that's recent. That's so... That's like in the past, <laughs> what, year? Yeah, yeah. No one was talking about it. And I was like, this is so weird because women on Peanut were, and they were having these, like, hushed conversations around... I can't remember things or I've got night sweats or whatever it might be. And I was like, this is crazy. It's like a repressive element yeah. to society that we, we've told women, don't talk about that bit. No one wants to know. Well, you see, that's you know? where you start getting into things like, I mean, we have the worst gender health gap in the UK out of all of Europe mm-hmm. in terms of funding that goes into women's health issues and men's. So you get these cultural reasons why a woman might go to visit her GP and talk about the, the, the symptoms, but... It's just kind of a, sorry, this is just where you're at. You can go home now. Yep, that's the menopause. Bye. And I think even that even happened to my own mother, where she had to suddenly t- get to the door, turn around and go, actually, no, actually. that's not it. I'm not just settling that that's, this is what's happened to me now. But, you know, not everybody's going to turn around when they get to the door and walk back in again. And, and that is the problem for menopause. It's the problem for postpartum depression. It's mm. the problem for... Um, depression related to fertility or fertile health. Like, these are issues that transcend womanhood. And so to answer your question, did I think that it would become bigger or did I know? I had no expectation, but now there's just so much more. So what does that make you want to do? Like, where where do you... I mean, world domination. <laughs> like, I'm, sure you've, I'm sure you've thought about it. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, it's an obs- it is an obsession. I am mm. obsessed with it. I think about things all the time. I think about things that I see in popular culture and I think about what we can do. I have friends now who are going through separations and divorce and where do they go and how do they find support? There are women who are going through kind of critical health issues, um, breast cancers or female um, cancers, where do they go? Mm. There's so much around kind of a specific, unique journey of womanhood. And some of it is to be celebrated. It's not bleak. It's amazing being a woman. I love being a woman. It's about helping women feel supported and be educated um, and able to find resource and connection. And for me, that's a, a global issue. So the bigger vision for Peanut is, of course, that this should be on a, a global reach because I want every woman to feel that she can connect with another. Um, life is so much better. How much better do you feel when you have one conversation with yeah. another woman and she tells you something else or distracts you or confirms that it's going to pass or even just listens? 
Oh, it's huge. It's, it, got, it's my therapy, I think. It's, <laughs> it's therapy. And, and so that on a, on a global stage is, is what we all need. And I feel really strongly about that. Well, I think it's, obviously we're speaking now from the standing point of Peanut being so successful, but you've also said it was one of the hardest things. So there's, when you first become a mum, when you were saying you didn't feel like you fit into any of the stereotypes and you had to sort of find your way, I would imagine there's a similar journey when you're CEO of something because there's a, there's a sort of version in your head of what that might look like and then there's you doing it and how that works for you. Yeah. But what are your memories of, I suppose, the lonely bit at the beginning when you had this fire in your belly but you've got to keep everybody passionate about what you're building? Yeah, it's, it's really funny because I'm going to say this and then I'll sound like I'm the loneliest girl in the world and that's not true but um starting the business was also lonely because you go from um I was running someone else's company and it was huge and successful and you walk into an office and there's 150 people and ultimately there's resource they'll help you uh there were people to do things and all of a sudden I was the people to do everything and it's super like on a honest level humbling like I want to like get the word out about peanut I was dragging my kid in a peanut sweatshirt to a baby rave in Camden with foam (laughs) fingers like getting people to download peanut and there were no people I was the people Mm -hmm. um so from that perspective you know you just do everything because also you have to show your team your tiny team at the time that you believe so much you're willing to do whatever it takes yeah you can't ask them to do things if you wouldn't be if I wasn't going to do it so I have to be there and I have to be the one doing it um and that just demands like huge sacrifice and making difficult decisions and being the friend who isn't at the birthday dinner for you know someone or cancelling the weekend away because you actually can't afford it now because you're trying to build a business and you have to fund it or whatever it might be. So um, huge sacrifice, very humbling. Um, But again, isn't it a good job? It's something that I just cared about so much. And I really, also at the time, I just really felt like if I don't do it, who else is going to do it? And if someone else does it, they're not going to do it like I want to do it, like I have to do this. Um, that that journey has evolved having to go in and fundraise for the business from people who just didn't recognize the issues I was talking about you know we didn't even have a conversation around women founders or female founders at that time let alone a a business that was only for women well I was going to ask you about that I mean has how was that that landscape oh I mean I just every single room that you walked into was pale male and stale and you know you just walk in and you're like hi so I've got this concept and I'm going to build it and it's just for women and you know there was a shutdown or it was a let me ask my daughter assistant why whatever um and ultimately really all it took were some of the gems and they are out there but you just need to talk about the fact that this is we're 50% of the population. Actually, we're responsible for the majority of decisions on household spend. That's worth trillions of dollars a year. And you're going to minimise this and say that, oh, yeah, but you can use that forum that was created in, you know, 2007. No, there's yeah. more. And and shame on you for missing this business opportunity because this is a big business. So um, that had to perfect over time. It still hasn't got any easier, quite frankly. That conversation still goes on. I think I read an article today which said that even in femtech, which didn't exist when I was doing peanut, but femtech, um, you have more success as a male founder building a 
femtech business than as a female founder. Imagine how depressing that is. Mm. We still believe that men can solve women's issues better than women can. And we're prepared to put money behind that. So I feel so many battles I would like to fight. I'll start with the peanut battles. But um, fundraising and having more visibility of women who are building brilliant companies and showcasing women and allowing women to make mistakes. I nearly swore there, but I talk about it with one of my friends all the time. Like, women, we're never allowed to F up, ever. Yeah. Ever. Like, it's just not... you. And if you do, it's like, oh, she, yeah, she failed. Like, we just don't get that opportunity at all. We just yeah, have we don't to, know how to win. wear it if it does happen. Absolutely. And, and, you know, actually, it's only through failure that you get great success anyway. Like, if I speak to an engineer and I say to him, oh, I don't want to get something wrong, they're like, well, that's how they get to the right answer. So um, there's so many challenges around kind of, getting more women to start business so that we see more women CEOs, so Mm -hmm. that we do see that kind of change. And I think it was something like we're 100 years away from gender parity in the workplace. 100 years. In our lifetime, we won't see it. Depressing. But we can make make strides. Well, also, I guess we get there by the, you know, the rungs of the ladder that are being put in place now, right? (laughs) It has to start. It has to start. We're part of that journey. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's... It's not even been that long since we got the vote. Like, it's, everything is quite recent history, actually. You forget. Yeah, you, you forget do. how recent this yeah. stuff is. You know, if you think about the fact that a woman couldn't open a bank account uh, without her husband saying that she could, and that yes. was only the 40s, right? Mm-hmm. So it's actually... Women going to work and how divorce. that was regarded. Yeah. Yep. So, so things have changed so dramatically um, in terms of the conversation. I don't even think we realise. Um, but there's so much more to do. And... Full circle. That's probably why the Invisible Mothers survey, I was I was surprised but not surprised. Yeah, that's pa- how I felt too. Partly surprised because I'm like, God, but I thought we were doing so well. I thought so much had changed, so much had improved, but fundamentally not really because we haven't got the structure. No, and so, and so much of it is hard to unpick what bits are cultural, which bits are, you know, um, econ- economic. Like you said, it so much is in the, the structure of how what women have been encouraged to expect but now I find myself raising my sons in a world where I feel like actually there's a lot of celebration of femininity and womanhood and I wonder what's it like for my sons to navigate that because they're surrounded by women having these conversations actually I mean they hear it from me like all the time all the time (laughs) yeah I can can I say that Mm. is I, I totally get that and I remember when Finn was maybe four and I walked into the local bookshop and it was all these amazing books about amazing women in history. And I was like, God, I, lo- I went and bought loads of them for him, of yeah, course. Yeah, I did the same thing. I, right. Women I, in science. Exactly. Here we go. Here we go, Sonny. Exactly. Come on, this is great. And bless him, he's got them upstairs. And like, you know, that for me was a really important moment. And um, I kind of just over dinner that night said to one of my girlfriends, um, do you think we should need to like, have some like amazing men in science too and she was like oh Michelle come on that's every textbook and I was like sure but when I walk into the bookshop and unless he sees anyone can do anything not just women can do anything men can do anything anyone can do anything I don't know if like that's helping the message Mm. um so we had a long debate about it and I, I you know I still don't know and then actually it's the 
people who dared to be different. They changed it so they didn't just have girls or boys who dared to be different. It was people who dared to be different. And for me, I was like, yeah, that's that's the point, right? Because you want to get to a place where it's not even a question. Yeah, like, I think that's it. That's about, that's actually, I totally agree with you. And I do think a lot of the... It's hard probably for our little sons to understand that the reason where there's so much going on to bring out all these female names from history is because for a long time they were buried. Correct. And actually, this is only really settling the score. It's not dominating in reality. It's exactly... All we're <laughs> trying to do is just get them in. Exactly. Get, get them a seat at so the table. So that you know those voices, you know those names and who's doing what. Exactly. And I think that you're right. For, for a small person, you're like, oh, right. So it's, uh, you know, that something that only women do for example I remember a conversation with Finn when he was much younger and he had read I don't know which book it was um it was probably the Marie Curie one which was very cute and he was like oh no but women do that that's it or that's what girls do and I was like no no that's not the message from that book (laughs) yeah boys it's fine you can take the rest of the decade off we we, we got this (laughs) we all do it so you know that I can understand why it is confusing um but, you know, even the fact that we're obsessed over having the conversation, how different. Yeah. How, so different to how I grew up. Like, so different. Yeah, very. But I know it really is. And for me, too. Um, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you. Have you did you turn 40 this year? Yeah. Right? Okay, cool. I'm 44. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely like our childhood would have, yeah, been very different landscape totally different i'm just for people listening what's your sort of professional journey into actually getting Mm. to the point where you could start something like peanuts um so i i've had a weird one so i started life as a lawyer um i basically growing up like had two very hard-working parents who were like you have to get to university university was like the absolute obsession in our house like that was the only (laughs) thing that you needed to do get to university because you know my dad got up at four every day and went to the building site and it was too you know the last thing you would want was for your daughter to do that was the mentality so it was very much around like get a professional job Mm -hmm. um and I always remember my dad always had this narrative of like how amazing would it be to put a suit on every day for work like he used to really like think that that was like the mark of success. Success. Imagine putting a suit on every day for work. You know, I, I, I kind of love that as I sit in my jeans. But that was really his um, obsession. And my mum, like, very, very just driven person. She's an amazing woman. Um, so it was very much around get a professional career. I became a corporate lawyer, M&A um, I don't know if I was a particularly good lawyer, if I'm honest. I was very, again, this is very time stamping, but I was very obsessed with Ali McBeal when I was a kid. <laughs> and I really thought being a lawyer was going to be like Ali McBeal, um, which it isn't for anyone who wants <laughs> not at all like that. No dancing I'm sure it's baby. responsible for a lot of people looking into like, women going, oh, maybe I'll be a lawyer. I really thought that that's what it was going to be like. Um, so I... Um, Worked in private practice and then I went to work in-house for a client that I was working for. And then from there, um, uh, one of the lawyers I used to work for called me and said, look, there's this guy and he's got a dating website and he needs a lawyer. Would you like to go and meet him? And at the time, I mean, dating online was not like it is now. Dating online was like people would go on breakfast tv and be like and we met online and you know you could see the presenters would be horrified Uh, it was that kind of 
era. And I met him and this platform was insane. It had 54 million users and I'd wow. never heard of it. It was called Badoo. And I just couldn't believe it. And I walked into this environment of 20 young guys with headphones on, drinking Red Bull and writing code. And I was like, what is this? I'd never, I'd never seen anything like it. Facebook also was just really kind of at the start of getting yeah. traction here. They just opened an office, I think. Um, and, you know, there I am. I, I remember so clearly, you walked into the kitchen and they had like free food, free junk food. And I was like... <laughs> Wow, where have I found myself? What is this? This is a bit like cans of like Diet Coke and snacks on this grubby counter in this office in Soho. And I was like, I mean, this is magical. No suits were being worn. Sorry, Dad. Um, and so I kind of just became, I'm nosy. So I just became obsessed with what they were doing. And um, I joined and that was really, it changed my life, I think. I became obsessed with, tech and what we were building and connecting people mm. very unusually for um a social network at the time social network dating at the time uh we were profitable so there was facebook they hadn't even figured out how to monetize and we were profitable so we were growing at this tremendous rate and that is a really exciting it was amazing it was amazing I and mean, you know we moved offices and we upscaled and you know to be yeah. there for that whole journey of seeing it it w it was thrilling and then Tinder came out and it totally changed everything because we had that game of ticking or crossing someone. Yeah. And they made an entire app out of it. Well, we were still doing the migration from web to mobile. So right. we weren't even doing like native builds. Right. And people were talking about it. And more than that, my friends were talking about it mm. down the pub on a Friday night. And it had gone from being like, Michelle works in dating to, oh, yeah, cool. Like, Michelle works in dating too, you know, and it became like quite a buzzy pride thing, but not for us because we were like, oh, God, yeah, they're yeah. taking something that we had been doing and they've made it, it looks stunning. I mean, it's hard to imagine now, but when Tinder came out, the UI of that product was amazing. I'd never seen anything like it. The interface of swiping. Yeah, so clever. You were using that actually only in your camera roll. That's wow. well, where we were using Now we swiping. just take it for granted. And you that's just assume that that's... Part of so many apps. Right? God, that's amazing, actually. So it was when we saw it, you were like, oh. You're like, hang on a minute. Yeah, this is what I would use so as well. so <laughs> good. Because also, that just the behavioral psychology of it, which was, I don't know that you've passed on me. I yeah. only know when you've said yes and I've said yes. Yeah. So there was the rejection element was kind of dealt with. Yeah. And so, and their marketing was insane. Like, they were doing great things. Cool kids in sororities and uh, frat houses in the US were using it. So they totally blew things up. And we had to up our game. Um, and we tried a couple of things. And then, I mean, the rest is kind of history. But the one of the um, team there was suing Tinder for sex to scrim. And we reached out to her. And we were like, let's build something together. And we built what became Bumble. So it was... And that, again, that was exciting because now we've got a message behind the app that yeah. we're doing. Now it's not just about, you know, find someone hot and hook up. This is about, and by the way, women make the move first. And so there was such a empowering moment to that that I suppose it was inevitable that I would feel empowered to then think, I'm going to do this for me and a product that I need. Um, but it was really scary. <laughs> 
and not at all the same because of course like doing a dating app within another dating app you've got the infrastructure there was me and with, I mean there were four of us for a very long time building peanut and mm. um we we had some incredible moments at the start like insane things happened to us WWDC which is um for anyone who is a geek like me it's the worldwide developer conference so anyone who's really into apple um it's uh, an Apple conference and they talk about what's coming out next in terms of innovation from um, Apple. And they had the new App Store. So again, don't know if you remember what the App Store used to look like, but it was kind of like tiles. Vaguely. And then all of a sudden it was like, and if you got App of the Day, it would be yes, like a little, right, a little like star around the thing. Well, all of a sudden they made it full screen and App of the Day was like, you got the full screen of the App Store and Peanut was the first app of the day on the new App Store. Huge. And we were sitting around my kitchen table, like, watching everyone in um, Cupertino, like, oh, my God, it's amazing. Um, so we had some amazing things when we would, you know, the reality of who we were before people. But you need those to... fires, don't you? Just to, like, give you that, like, okay, we're Ex- on to something. Exactly. Something and, is happening here. And that's the point, right? The fact that even cared about peanut. Yeah, yeah. We were still so small, even in terms of user base. I think we probably had 50,000 users. But the fact that Apple were excited about what we were doing because they wanted to talk about motherhood. And it endorses your product and the credibility that comes with it and all those things. That was massive. Like, Apple want to talk about motherhood. At, well, hang on, there must be a conversation shift because this is yeah. this is something that feels really exciting. So that was the start. So with all that, you're growing this thing. You've taken this big punt on yourself, really, to yeah. say, right, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I'm going to give it everything. But you've also got... Well, Finn must have been really small. And you, yeah. So how are, you, how are you sort of dealing with the demands of that business and also giving yourself what you need in terms of I don't know, allowing yourself whatever the mothering is going to be within yeah. that. Because that's a big juggle in your head. I hate the word juggle sometimes, but... Um, it was chaos You've in got my to head, give yourself a actually. lot of permission. Yeah, it was chaos in my head, actually, um, a lot of the time. And the guilt that you feel because... I was going to the States once a month. Uh, Peanut was really growing in the US. Um, and so once a month I was leaving Finn with my husband and going off and coming back and that is a real you feel very weird like you're consciously doing it but you feel the guilt uh the facetimes the you know why do you have to go to new york i've got this video i used to watch it on repeat crying um and so you are constantly feeling torn but i am majorly fortunate like i i have an amazing partner and he's super involved and i could never have done it without him like never um because he is so hands-on and because it was never a question it was just like well if you're doing this then I'm gonna do the rest um and I had my mum to a certain extent although lesser as at that point um but I have to also just say because I think that people never say it and it's really important I was so fortunate I could get childcare and I could resource where you have no optionality to get resource, you're, you are so limited in what you can do. Mm. And I don't think women ever really talk about the fact that, yeah, I, 
if I can get someone to come in and clean my house, that means that I've got an extra hour with Finn or whatever it might be. Like, yes, I did do those things and I made those decisions because I was so privileged I could do it. Um, and again, it's back to that myth of you can have it all. You can have whatever you want if you can resource your life, right? That's true. I suppose the reason sometimes the conversation doesn't come up is because sometimes we all do what we can within the options we have. Yes. And sometimes it can be a distraction away from the bit that actually can bring people together in terms of how they're feeling about things. Um, you know, if you're, you can't afford childcare, but you're lucky enough to have um, a family member yes. that helps you. Yes, That's a different set of things to the person who hasn't got a family member and also can't afford it. Absolutely. Or if you can afford the childcare, but you're you haven't got any support from your family. You know, it, sometimes it can pull the conversation. It's definitely worth having, but I think sometimes it can pull the focus I, I, I hear that. to other things. I just think that if you are in a situation where you don't have um, the access that you yeah. would like, there is a rhetoric of, but they're doing it, I must be yeah. a failure. A failure, yeah. And no, you are not a failure, you just like that that's the reality everyone is yeah. trying to adequately like support their lives so i could never have done peanut without my husband um, and his constant involvement and stability whilst i was in the us mm. but he put finn to bed every night right i could never have done that without him um and um i could make sure that we had someone who could pick finn up from school when you know rich is working it's not like he doesn't work but I could have someone who could pick Finn up from school and take him home yeah and I think so for you that as was well, really important because I work away a lot and I think for me the keeping their my kids lives consistent and keeping a, a, a people in their lives that they can rely on when I have to you know go off and do what I'm doing is, is massively reassuring on all levels they want that kids want that yeah. you want that you want to know that you're not disrupting their life like yeah. you're but but ultimately, I suppose in my head, I always had this thing of, um, I'm doing it for Finn too, and because I want like an amazing opportunity, and I I believe in the opportunity, and I want him to see that I work, and I want him to see that if you see something, you can be the person who will build something, and you will take that risk. Like Finn is so cute and so proud of peanut i don't even think he really fully understands what peanut is but it's about women and it's peanut and it's mummy and he's like really because he's grown up with it and he yeah. just it's part of him and now Lula too they'll both have it absolutely just around them all the yeah. time yeah and funnily it was partly named after him right yeah so. when i was pregnant and i read that he was like the size of a peanut so everyone in the office at the time called him peanut but it's a nice analogy because he grows and so does Peanut. It's love that. So true. <laughs> um, and he, you know, the messages that children get from what we do and how we work, they're little sponges and they're soaking it up and they're seeing it. And also the fact that he saw that daddy was there every night and put him to bed. That was, that's a big message too. Definitely. Right? The fact that, um, you know, daddy would, I don't know, make and it's not always just mummy that does it like that's big messages too I agree well they, they, they learn more by what they see than see. what you say anyway exactly. so and I think so when I go away for work and I feel like that sort of velcro thing of like oh, I'm sorry kids I have to go away again I call it heavy boots I feel like I'm wearing like almost yeah. like heavy boots at the airport like I have to kind of like 
trying to shrug it off a little bit. But when you're going because it's something that you has got momentum and you're caring about it and it's all going somewhere, it's a lot easier because you believe in what you're doing. But what's the story you tell yourself at the beginning bit where it's still the the real, like, hard, hard graft? It's, I mean, even now, like, the firstly, the pressure on each trip is so huge because I, in my head I'm positioning it as I have to make it worth it. It has to be worth leaving my kids. Yeah, I hear that too. And that's a horrible feeling because if the trip doesn't bring everything you wanted it to bring, you, I kind of have this irrational, wasn't worth it. Mm. I left my kids and I wasn't there for a whole week and it wasn't even worth it. Well, you know... That's never the case. And something good always, you know, can come or something will come. Um, but in those early days, I mean, it was, it was really awful. I used to cry so much. I had, with Nula, we were in lockdown, right? So she was, um, I forget how, she, how old she was in lockdown, but well, maybe only bit, six months. Yeah, well, she's a bit younger than um, Mickey, but they're born, so she's born 2019, is that yeah. right? Yeah, so... When lockdown started for him, he was like 14 months. I guess she would have been, yeah, about sort of eight months. Eight months, like exactly right, mm. yeah. And so we, she was so little and all of a sudden you're grounded. You can't go and do those trips anymore. So, mm. you know, she actually, her perception of life is that mummy sits behind a desk and is always here. And daddy sits behind a desk and is always here. Like, that's her life. And Finley sits behind the desk and is always here. So her little world was very much around kind of that experience. That first trip that I did post-lockdown leaving her was very hard. Because she was then probably harder for me, actually. She's very independent, so she just... It's not... Not as emotional as I am. Um, so it was probably harder for me than it was for her. But that was a tricky one, for sure. Yeah. No, and I think, um, I think what you said about the childcare thing is actually really important because I think we... You're right about that, the support you have around you and the options you have. And I think having a supportive partner is huge because someone who just goes, yeah, you go off and do the thing you need to do and believe in you. Because there's so many times when being your own cheerleader gets... Um, can make you really weary. It's so, like, whatever you do and whatever choice that you've made or are able to make or have the freedom to make in terms of you and your wishes and your career, um, it's virtually impossible to do that alone. Mm. It's virtually impossible because there are so many moments of challenge. There are so many minute, uh, moments of self-doubt and uh, where you don't get the answer that you want. Imagine doing that without someone who is either dealing with other stuff, mental yeah. load, or um, telling you that you've got this or whatever it might be. And actually, again, it's like in the, in the survey and the women who were talking about that mental load where, you know, you're in a meeting, but you're also thinking, did I put the washing machine on? And, um, oh, I, I think I forgot to defrost something for tea. And, oh, hang on, also I forgot to say that he needed a sports kit, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. That mental load is enormous like and the and the guilt that comes with it if you forget something is you know i think that might be the life. next thing to try and dismantle isn't it making the fact that that onus of all of that falls so often to mothers it it is it is something that we have you know it has to be shared and we have to be um happy to share it but we also have to be very conscious of the fact that um 
my husband's reaction to not doing something like that and my reaction are two totally different things. I will think about that all day. Yeah, me too. And I almost guarantee that Rich won't think about it again. So yeah, the same same dynamic in my house. Because of the guilt, because of the right back to the start of our conversation, because of the objective and the like the goal that we didn't hit, because we're like very focused on like delivering um objectives and hitting our goals and we didn't hit the goal. Mm, yeah, so that's a problem, isn't impossible it? to do it. It's but actually the reaction that your rich and my Richard would have turns out to be just as valid because uh the worrying and the obsessing and the doesn't beating change. myself up didn't yeah doesn't change and also the world still turns if it was a rainy day and you sent them to school without you know does, it raincoat or it, gloves or something it doesn't change like then the <laughs> it's next, going to be okay the next day is going to be fine and mm. you know it's it's not going to change the the result of it it's just fine um but it's very hard to be like that where we have these incredibly high standards for ourselves yes Yes, but I think conversation and transparency and letting people in on all the all the twists and turns, the successes, the vulnerabilities, the worries, the, the failures, all of it, it can only help, can't it? I think honest and authentic conversation is is so important. I, I did a talk a few weeks ago and someone said to me, thanks so much for being so honest. And she almost said it like, I, I felt like... She- she was surprised by the honesty, I, is how I took the comment. Um, but if I can't be honest about it, who the hell is going to be honest about it? If I don't stand there and say, do you know what? It absolutely sucked that we didn't raise investment from that particular investor at that point. Um, and, and two years later, they invested in a guy doing something similar, but for erectile dysfunction, for example. Right. So um, I have to be honest about these things because I can use a platform to do so and because um I want every other woman to stop feeling like it's her Mm. it's not her like we're all like it happens to all of us even if we're not talking about it um and I suppose that is the beauty of being up where women go on I mean it's warts and all you know everyone's talking about everything there's nothing too gross there's nothing too (laughs) graphic there's nothing too honest on peanut because it's just us do you think with something like Peanut, it works the same as um, a career in something risky, like, uh, for example, music, where it basically, you have to have sort of no plan B? You have to have... Right, this is a really interesting one, because actually there's this, there's a founder that I know, um, and she very infamously said this, there is no plan B, you have to have plan A. But when I started Peanut, I had to have plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, because I had a mortgage and a little person and responsibilities and I I just had to have backup plans I couldn't and I don't know whether that again the lawyer in me where you just don't have um you're just thinking about the risk and so I definitely had to have I had to stay on the board of a couple of the companies to pay for my bills I'd saved up a, a lot of my bonuses were a thing at the time well um I saved up bonuses um in order to kind of fund the first six months of payroll like all of those things are like I had so many different plans because um not because I didn't want peanut to be the plan a but because plan a had to be keep Finn 
alive with a roof over his head mm-hmm. and fed. And so I think I I think it's different. But you did music before children. I did, and also I think um, I haven't got any qualifications really. So <laughs> I think I'd left myself um, not so many options of obvious things I would do, but obviously in reality. If music isn't paying your bills, then you find other things to do. And I have had that experience where I was like, uh, no, I haven't got a record deal. Right. What am I going to do? So right. there is there is contingencies, really, because you have to, yeah, you have, move on to the next thing. You have I think to. it's more like an emotional feeling, really. Yeah. Where that's always going to be the thing that you feel you're trying to get back into that all the that, time. Yeah, that is default, like, yeah. where you want to be. But, I mean... I, th- I think, had I not have done my very, like, rational, and if if not that, then this, and if not that, then this, I think I would never have taken the leap. Yeah, well, that's actually, I think that's a really good thing to hear because I think you feel there's a lot of conversation at the moment around successful people with people almost trying to work out what the, what you have to have in order to, to make that work to be, for you. But yeah. actually... Um, however it looks for you could be the path that's right for you and works. I honestly, there is very little point in trying to emulate the route that someone else has because you'll never have the same driver that they had or you'll never have had that one pivotal moment that they themselves probably don't even realise was the thing that made Mm. them do it. Like, it's so not a recipe for things. I, I heard something the other day which was like, the thing that's different between successful people and not is how they manage their time and... You know, it, it's all just not the case, right? We're all just trying to work out how to get there and what to do. Exactly. Um, and most of the time, no one feels successful. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And even if it's a bit Jacob's Ladder, there's always the next bit, the next bit, the next Literally, bit. Literally. And you have that one moment where you're like, wow, and then you don't feel like... <laughs> then you feel like crap again the next day. And, you know, that level of, like insecurity and self-doubt is probably the thing that keeps you going yeah honestly in that very weird way I know it's funny that isn't it yeah but that is probably true but then again I guess like you've from the conversations happening on peanut you've probably taken a lot of personal reassurance out of the things you hear and people what people share there it's so honestly I I'm going to be the most obscure user of Peanut, right? Because no one uses it as much as I do. No one's in there as much as me, um, kind of checking in on what what the conversation is and what women are talking about. And there's stuff that is, it could be any day of the week, any time of the day, and it will still be there, that type of conversation. And then there's new stuff that you start to see and you're like, I haven't seen anyone talking about this before. And so it is that kind of social barometer of issues that are important to women, and you see it, you know, I, I, very clearly I can see um, what women are talking about. And I think that that is, um, well, I suppose it's just the driver because then it's my job to, like, make sure that everyone knows what they're talking about to see if we can make things a bit better. Well, I think that's a, 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 the biggest incentive you could possibly have is about making lives that bit better than, exactly. and leaving leaving things a little bit better than you found, found it. it. And it all kind of goes, I was just, what keeps going around in my head is about, that, that. you know, the adage about it takes a village. It feels like all of these things are about that community around you. Community around big life changes, mother, new motherhood, starting a business has its own village. And then obviously what you've created in Peanut is this huge village. It's all about <laughs> a village, right? Because we don't also, like, think about how we grew up 
or how our parents grew up. We, that's not how we live anymore. Like, we don't live where we grew up necessarily. And, you know, you don't live next door to your sister around the corner from your mum. Like, we move for so many different reasons. Mm. And when you move, you're all of a sudden, you're in a very small, tight, insular kind of environment. As it goes, my environment growing up was very small. Like, my my where I grew up is not where my mum and dad were from. And so it was just the three of us. And it was very insular in that way. But that is not the way we used to raise kids. It's not the way we actually used to build family life at all. Mm. Um, on a street, one kid was everyone's kid. That's how we grew up. And that has really changed. And so the way in which we can use tech or or any other method actually but for for me tech to recreate that I think is important yeah really important and it's a final question I wonder do you ever think about what Nula might be how Peanut might look when she's old enough to be using it oh yeah I mean that I have so many things that I wish for I want to have a part of Peanut where young women can go on there and talk about body issues their first periods um a little bit older than that, women, young girls who are thinking about, you know, relationships and those first, like, moments and the agony of it, the agony of that. God, that would be and such a big change It would be such girls. a huge change because think about what they're greeted with at the moment. Think about young girls on TikTok and Instagram and yes. what they're presented with. It's so damaging. I'm so terrified of that. Also, to- all the stuff you don't share with your girlfriend's when you're young because you don't want them to know what you're really worried about or scared about. Exactly. But you could put it there. You can you? share it and you can be in a, a safe environment. So I would I would love oh, that. Wow. And I, I would think definitely about use, that. use that as a teenager. Right? 100%. That would have been so helpful. Even mm. just bullying and self-esteem and those moments of, you know, not fitting in or not being the cool girl or whatever it is. Yeah. You know academic pressure. There's so many things. So many. So yeah. that's I hope I hope we've got that by the time noon. I think that's that's enough in itself. Well, I wish you all the best with it. Thank I think it's super so exciting. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Hey. So yes, Michelle, a brilliant online community, Peanuts, and I love the idea of it expanding into space for teenage girls. Because oh my goodness, wouldn't have that been of such a good resource? I would have loved that. I mean, is there ever a time where you feel more discombobulated and potentially more, I don't know, alone in your worries about if what you're feeling is normal than being a flipping teenager? No, there is not. So, yes, I think that's much needed. I'm still walking home. I'm sorry, it's still a bit windy. I'm walking past a big dog park. Uh, I think my legs aren't moving very fast today. Um... What's on my mind? I've got a few things on my mind, actually. Uh, I'm thinking about all the guests I've got. I've been speaking to four women simultaneously today about when to record podcasts with them. So I've got to make sure I've got good times in the diary and I get it all fitted in and it's all peachy. And then I'm also thinking about what do I wear for the BAFTAs. Um, I'm performing... Sorry, crossing the road. I'm performing Murder on the Dance Floor at uh, the BAFTAs and I need to work out what I'm going to wear. And the nice thing about that is that... Sorry, overtaking a scooter. Um, the nice thing about that is I can basically take it as far as I like. So I'm like, oh, let's have opulence. 
Got loads of dancers. Yeah, I just want to wear something fabulous. Did I speak to you about that last week? If I did, sorry for repeating myself. It's just, I'm still choosing basically. It's kind of lovely though. It's like being in like, it's like being in a really fancy patisserie where they suddenly show you all the really lovely cakes. You're like, oh, I wanted a sweet treat and I've got access to all these lovely cakes. That's me with looking at frocks for BAFTAs. All these lovely creations. And I've got a few more bits of travel coming up this week. Uh, but all good though. And you know, God, it's boring, isn't it? People talk about being busy. Everybody's busy. When I've got less on, I don't feel less busy, actually. I think, I think you just kind of... I've got the brain space that deals with, like, stuff I need to deal with. And it just fits to capacity wherever I need to pop in there. So that's it, basically. I always feel the same level of uh, in control and completely overwhelmed. Anyway, um, thanks for joining me again. So for the rambly chat, I think it's because you're walking me home. But that's quite nice, actually. Thanks for keeping me company. And have a lovely, lovely week. And next week, I have the final guest of the series. Uh, Trini Woodall will be my guest on Spinning Plates next week. Oh, we had a brilliant chat. What a, another, another CEO, as it happens, another businesswoman. But, oh, just such an interesting woman. Anyway, more on that later. Uh, thanks to Michelle for talking to me for this week. Thank you to producer Claire for um, all her amazing production. Thanks to Richard for editing, to LMA for the beautiful artwork. And of course, mainly to you for lending me your ears. All right, have a good week. Speak to you soon. Lots of love. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.